If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. All right. Well, I, I do have a question. We kind of got this question this morning, right, about how do we create content for sellers? And I thought it was a good question. And I thought you... I mean, obviously, we're kind of getting to the end of the room um, this morning, but I'm curious, um, you know, if anyone's had any luck with that part. And I know you guys have had some listings and stuff come as a result of it, but is there anything I'd really like to brainstorm more around that? Because I think that's something we haven't really talked too much about, at least. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that was uh, kind of the main main topic I was going to throw out there. So you read my mind, Matt. I think uh, I think we're really starting to become kindred spirits. Here, you know? <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, there's I think there's a couple of things we can that you can do. I mean, again, it's all. I mean, ultimately, it all comes down to trial and error of your own, <laughs> you know, your own abilities and and what you want to produce and the content you want to create. But you know, I I, would, I always say. Uh, create content around the client you want to attract. And so if you want to work particular neighborhoods or suburbs or, you know, areas, I would create content around those areas. If you want to work in those areas, if you want to attract uh, sellers, then I think you rely more heavily on seller related content. So that would pretty much be all kinds of, I mean, there's, there's has to be a hundred questions which would probably be if you've ever gone on a listing presentation or as you're going on listing presentations, that would probably be something that you would want to make note of as soon as you come out of those listing presentations is what were the questions that you were asked by, you know, by the seller. Um, if you already know a lot of those ahead of time and you're, you go into anticipate, which is what any good salesperson would do, right? De- depending on regardless. Now, of course, more of that comes with experience. Uh, getting the red bar. Uh, let me see. And so, okay, good. Um, so, you know, I think, of course, anticipating your client's questions comes a lot more with experience, you know, in sales in general, but also the more listening appointments you go on, the more uh, questions you you can anticipate and actually answer in your presentation. And to me, that's always the best way to uh, provide value to a client or to gain a client as quickly as possible. When you can anticipate pretty much every question they would ask and you answer that in your presentation without uh, letting it become, you know, I don't like to really use the word objection. I know that's typical sales talk is like when somebody asks a question, oh, you got this objection, so I have to overcome it. And I don't really believe that's an objection. It's a question, right? It's a it's a moment of clarity that you can help provide for somebody. So uh, I think that's where, you know, the best presentation answers people's burning desires, their concerns, their their fears, everything in there. So ultimately, by the end of it, there should be really minimal questions i would think because if once you become more effective at that is is really kind of my point if that makes sense so uh, ideally if you have a lot of experience with listings and you want to attract listings then i think that's the videos you create now are there I, i do see that yeah youtube does tend to lean more towards buyers but at the same time that's where a lot of people are researching and at the same time you get the opportunity to capture people early on 
in the process. But at the same time, if people are looking for those answers and all your content, I mean, if it's only seller related, now, will you get as many calls? I don't know, maybe not. But then again, you know, how many do you need? If you get an extra one, two, three or four deals per month, that I would say that would be worth it to where you're just making videos that are all geared towards sellers. So, you know, pretty much answering those questions, you know, steps, I don't know, steps to sell your home, how to sell your home in this type of market, what did, what to do when it's a seller's market, what, what to do when it's a buyer's market. And so anything around that, I think is always going to open up more opportunity for that. Now, one of my favorite content creators for real estate videos, Brad McCallum in Canada. And if now, the thing is, is that uh, he does what really hardly anybody, I mean, he is, he is pretty much, pretty much a video guy who makes awesome listing videos, you know? And so that's the other aspect. Now he's, he's capturing luxury, the luxury market in his area because that's what his content is focused on. He does nothing like what I do, but he does, but it's actually, he is really a lot of the inspiration for our luxury channel because I, I don't I don't see us getting to his level because he has his production and his his personality everything is at a completely different level but also he's a different person right so I would never try to copy him directly or try to be him but he his videos um, his listing videos really served as inspiration for our luxury channel and really our luxury channel is really the end goal of that is to acquire luxury listings. Now, the way we're positioning the content now is ideally going to attract luxury buyers. Um, there's three phases. I've, I've talked a little bit about this before, but initially we plan, you know, we hope to attract luxury buyers with the luxury channel, but then uh, the next step would be hopefully agents actually reach out because they're limited in their marketing capabilities. And maybe they say, hey, instead of us, you know, pursuing people to film their listings, they come to us and say, hey, man, love your video content. Would you like to do one on our listing? That would be like the second phase. And then the third phase, of course, would be where local area sellers actually say, man, you make great videos. So if we're going to hire somebody, why not hire you so you can make one of those videos uh, for us? And that's what Brad's done in Canada where, you know, he's getting calls from the luxury sellers because of the amazing content he does. And his channel is pretty much geared towards that as far as uh, luxury listings, listings in general. I mean, I, he does videos on six and seven hundred thousand dollar properties. Now, whether you consider that luxury or not, but. Uh, I just say luxury, I'm thinking like million plus, but he, he can still make a $600,000 listing, uh, look extremely well, but his level of production and everything is off the charts. So that's not anywhere I could recommend for anybody to begin, uh, because it's a very complicated process. And I know his process cause we've had discussions about it and I know how much time he spends on editing. You know, he's also an editor. So he is truly like a content creator from the fact that not only is he mapping out the content, but he's also, you know, doing a lot of editing. And I know he spends a significant amount of time. He's told me sometimes he'll spend 24 to 28 to 30 hours editing one video. So that's, that is, again, I don't recommend that for anybody now. Uh, and I would never do that. 
I, 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 my editing skills are nowhere near that, but he, that's just his level where he's at. So I think he has the model for that. But again, it's a very, very high level of production, which is, I don't think is as, as duplicatable in the beginning. Now you can always achieve and strive to get towards that. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where if you're just starting out, then I think the more questions you can answer in regards to sellers. And if you want to focus completely on that, then I would probably go all in and do all my research around that. So, um, does that make sense? Oh, and you want to add to that, Matt, or is anything you want to throw in there? No, I think it's a great point. Is And I think Amanda touched on this, um, you know, earlier this morning too, that when it comes to like circle prospecting, there's a real opportunity that, you know, if you've got a, you know, a pipeline of 10, 15, 20 buyers <laughs> that you could probably hire a VA or an ISA to be making calls to, you know, potential sellers. Also drawing in a ton of, you know, new eyeballs uh, from the listing side. Um, and so I think that, you know, when one comes, the other tends to follow, right? Like people that are, you know, moved a year ago with you guys, <laughs> Uh, you know, may, or, you know, say less than a year ago, two or three years from now, you're going to have a pipeline of a bunch of sellers. Um, cause how many transactions have you guys done this year? So, well, in three quarters, cause we didn't even do a transaction the first quarter from the channel cause it was building momentum, but, um, 80, we're going to close out right at 80 transactions, 70 buyers, 10 listings. Now, eight of those were listing referrals because we asked everybody, Hey, do you have an agent in your area? Um, and you know, eight of them said no. And so we we're able to get the listing referral as well on top of that, but we've already got two listings from people that have bought from us within the last three quarters because of circumstance, right? I mean, situations came up, they, they decided to move back, uh, or family, uh, one was a family issue, family health issues. So they, they're going to move back to the state they came from. So you never know what can happen, but to, to already get two listings from people that we've already sold within the last nine months you see see how that can that can, is going to snowball into next year i think quite a bit yeah for sure well and i know so i've tried to be you know more on the listing side i know anna has kind of been there as well so uh and i'm curious to hear your insider i do i have two dumb questions um but on the listing side i did have a statement as well earlier Levi said, you know, questions, they're not objections. Don't take it personally. Don't get, don't be butthurt. And I know the number one butthurt objection and or question that clients ask is, you know, can you give a discount or can you charge less or what have you, right? And we get so offended by that. And one of the worst responses that, that I've heard is, would you ask your doctor for a discount? And I'm thinking, you know, guys, we're selling homes, we're not curing cancer. Um, I would say stay away from that analogy. Um, but nonetheless, the point is, is that if they're not asking, they're not doing their job as the consumer. I mean, do you not, when, when you go in to buy a car or, or whatever, or even a house for that matter, do you not negotiate? So why are we getting so butthurt that clients are asking that question? I think it's a very fair question and how you respond to it, I think is going to make or break um, that listing appointment. So I thought it was a good point, Levi. So here are my dumb questions. Uh, first one is, 
real estate is very hyper local. So when you're thinking about your titles for your videos, do you always put in uh, your town, right? Or is it more general? So if you're giving advice, um, I guess to that point, uh, if you were doing a video on uh, why you should ask for a discount, <laughs> I don't know, right? And then dispel the whole notion and, you know, what, what your response would be. But that's so general, and that could be for any seller anywhere. Is it advisable? Do you think it's more accurate and a better return if in your title you always have your county or your town or what have you uh, in the title? That's the first question. I can't remember the second one, but I'll, it'll. Yeah. Hey, Anna. Good to talk to you again as well. And I mean, yeah, I absolutely think so from a searchability standpoint. And uh, but mainly if you're answering seller questions, that's really the main part of the title, which is I, I would I would search what's searchable, but also I always think I always put my shoes in their position, right? So how would they type that question in to YouTube? And and uh, by doing so, um, should I ask for a discount when selling my home? You know, is probably the what, and that would probably be my title. You know, and then but also I would compare that with something like TubeBuddy or VidIQ, where you can actually see what are the search results related to that title because. But that's that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to think, what is the what is the person searching for this information? What are they going to type in the YouTube search bar? So that's always my first step. And then then I'm going to put that into TubeBuddy or VidIQ or something like that to actually see, okay, is this searchable? Well, I'll probably get search results based on that. But then I'm going to start playing around with the word the words, you know, um, real estate agent discount commit or commission discount, something like that. You know, I would start to change it up a little bit and kind of see, okay, what is the most search? And then ultimately that's going to lead me to my conclusion, usually for me, as far as, okay, what's going to be the title. Now, if it's that seller, like you said, it is, you know, that's very general to where you might attract a national audience on that with just that in there. Now, if you add something let's say, you know, our channel is living in Dallas, Texas, I might add to the back end of that title if I have room uh, slash living in Dallas, Texas, um, you know, and so that that kind of creates the searchability where somebody's searching in Dallas, Texas as well, then that video is that's going to help kind of like hyper localize it just to Dallas. Now, here's the thing. I mean, really, you can get a listing referral anywhere in the nation. So do you want a national audience? based on that question that's that would be the question i'd have to ask myself as well because i do know of real estate agents i know a couple of them really well that have a national audience and they collect referral fees from around the nation because people will call them from other states and ask them do you know an agent in my area because they're such a trusted person to them on youtube they value their opinion more than somebody they do in their own local area and so they'll reach out to just even ask for that referral. So I think there's two ways that you can approach that as far as are you trying to attract a national audience or or do you want to add that little additional value of being local? Now, the thing is, is if you attract somebody from out of state, they're probably going to get the understanding that you're from 
you know, your area, let's say, you know, Dallas, Texas. But, and so it, 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 I, it's, it's kind of a fine line, but I think if you're going to target a channel directly around sellers, um, then, then you, the, the more hyper-local, the better, right? Extremely niched. I mean, we've really honed in on Dallas, Texas. I mean, that's the audience we are really looking for is that specific audience. And so for us, that's generated enough business to keep us very happy, you know? Now, the other thing is, is that uh, we're looking at incorporating a couple of other things. We know with the luxury channel, that has more of a national appeal not necessarily hyper local. The goal is to 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 gain traction locally. However, because we're touring multi million dollar properties, there's always an aspect of virality that goes with that. Because no matter where anybody's located, everybody's curious to see what does a three, four, five, eight, nine million dollar property look like on the inside. And so. Uh, but we still have it very dialed into Dallas, Texas. That's in our titles. That's in our tags. You know, if you look at a, a YouTuber like uh, Inez or Eric Conover, those are probably the two main guys that uh, do listing tours and they do them, you know, Miami, Colorado, mostly LA, New York, because of course LA and New York have the bigger properties. But most of the time you don't see in their title, um, you know, a certain city, it doesn't say, it'll say like tour this hundred million dollar home on the, on the side of a mountain. Doesn't necessarily say it's in Colorado or anything like that because they know they have a national audience. So they're just trying to attract the eyeballs from anywhere and everywhere. And so, you know, they're not trying to dial it into that specific area. Most of them don't say tour this $80 mansion in, in, uh, California, but they, sometimes they'll add Bel Air or something like that because they know Bel Air, California has a national or even a worldwide brand, so to speak, right. As the neighborhood that you want to see. So I think it all depends on that, but that's where we as a local real estate agent need to understand, okay, what's the right way to do this and who's the audience I'm trying to attract. And so that, those would be the questions I'd want to answer myself first is, okay, do I want to include my city in here to really hyper-localize it? Or am I trying to attract a national audience? I believe, here's my conclusion, I guess. Uh, here, I believe that if you can be super dialed in on your city, you're going to attract business quicker than you will with the national audience. The channels that I know of that do have a national audience or collect referrals from around the country, it's taken them years to get there and they have uh, 50, 60, 80, a hundred thousand followers or subscribers. And so that takes a lot of time as to where we've been able to do what we've been able to do in a year time span, because we've hyper-focused on our local market and people know us as a local expert, right? So I think establishing a national brand or as a national expert, that's a more, uh, not as an easier, uh, easy path, if that makes sense. I wouldn't discourage anybody from doing that, but I don't think it's the path of least resistance. Does that make sense, Anna? It does. And surprisingly, I remembered my other dumb question, um, which now that I think on it, that first question actually wasn't dumb. And it gave me some great insight because I do refer a lot. So yeah, I have to think about that as well as what my YouTube channel name is in the first place, right? Should it be, because I have the coming soon listings in Chester County PA Facebook group, 
should I make that the you know the title of the YouTube? But anyhow, not to bore. I want to ask questions that help the audience as well. And so my next question, this one is definitely dumb, uh, to get started, right? And and doing the if you're not going to get into the whole uh, hiring, you know, videographers and and all that stuff, right? Um, what are like the basic tools that anyone would need to actually create that video in the first place, right? Because are you doing it on your phone? Are you doing it from your laptop? What, what's the basic tool needed to actually create? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and definitely not a dumb question. It gets asked all the time. So, I mean, for me, it was an iPhone. Yeah, I still use an iPhone. And so I, I didn't have to have any additional equipment there. I bought a $20 $20 tripod that kind of counts as a doubles as a selfie stick. You know, it's a little one of those little bendable Ulanzi uh, tripods. And um, by the way, if anybody wants to DM me, I do have a list of tools, by the way. Great question, Anna. Uh, I do have a list of tools that we use. A microphone. Microphone is absolutely key. Uh, this is where you want to spend some money on a microphone because audio is is uh unforgiving as far as if you don't have good audio that's the fastest way to lose people on your channel people can deal with some bad video or quality or maybe even a little bit of blurriness but the audio and you've all heard it anytime you've clicked on a video that they didn't have good audio it's just like oh my god i, I gotta get off of this thing as quickly as possible because you just can't tolerate listening to it and so and that could be echoes it could be sounding far away it could be sounding like you're in a fishbowl so you want to spend the money on a good microphone, but I believe you can do that at least through an, with an iPhone from anywhere from $75 to $150. There's two different kinds that I have used and uh, which I have on the list. You know, one's a little lav mic, Bluetooth lav mic. The other one's a Bluetooth, uh, just a plug-in mic. That's the one I've been using more recently just because it, you don't have to have wires or batteries or anything else. It's like a little boom mic that plugs directly into your iPhone. So it's super easy to use. Um, and so 150 bucks, let's say for that, although I've seen recently it's been $120. So they did a price drop, $120, $20 little selfie stick or tripod, your iPhone, you can easily get away with that. Now editing, I do believe editing is, is a worthwhile expense because uh, I just don't believe it's it's the best use of time for real estate agents, other uh, unless you're like Brad, who is you know like a master editor. <laughs> so, uh, and that's part of his craft is doing that. So that wasn't the case for me. Uh, number one, I was I was I was never interested in editing. So I love the saying by Gary Vee that says, "You're not lazy. You're just not interested in whatever it is you are not doing." <laughs> so, um, so. I was never interested in editing. I knew it would take me 10 times as long as it would take anybody else. And, you know, what I can pay somebody, you know, we've all done the numbers on which, what's your hourly rate wage technically, you know, if you divide that out and you can definitely pay somebody to do that uh, a lot easier. So I would invest in hiring an editor that's different from a videographer. A videographer is somebody that is going to be way more expensive. They tend to shoot and they tend to edit. And so that's extremely pricey. Editors, you can just give your footage over to an editor. And this is what I've always done. I just had a Google Drive that I shared with my editor and I just put it in there. You know, she would piece all the clips together, send it back to me. I would review it. And then any changes needed to be made, 
I would tell her she'd make those changes. And we've never really ever gone past two revisions before. And now, you know, because we've worked together for so long, she pretty much gets it all right on the first time. So it's not a big deal. And it's just one of those things where I would invest now. Here's the thing about what's what I like about an editing budget versus a marketing budget. You know, if let's say, let's say you come into the game with $5,000 to your name, which is what they say the average real estate agent comes in to start real estate with $5,000 to their name. Well, you have a choice. You can either spend $5,000 on marketing and we all know that you can spend that on marketing and it could return you absolutely nothing or it returns you a whole lot of garbage that you know you is hard to work with or takes you a long time to close but if i could hire an editor uh, to do two videos a week for me or something like that two videos a week for a thousand dollars a month and i know hey if i do this consistently and publish two videos a week that i can turn over some business within 90 to 120 days that's a fixed budget, right? I, I, I know that I'm going to spend $1,000 over the next four months. And I know if I stay consistent on that, that most channels tend to turn over business within 90 to 120 days with consistency. Now, you can spend $5,000 in one shot on marketing and who knows what that'll return. And most of the time, once we spend one or $2,000 in marketing and we get nothing in return, it makes us gun shy to spend any more than that. So it, it's one of those things where it, it's a fixed budget versus marketing can be variable, of course. And I would look at investing some of uh, my money into there first Then I would. And, I, and if you have patience and you're able to do that, I mean, that's, that's where I would spend my time there too. Does that um, make sense? Help out? Answer your question. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much. Yes, you're welcome. What's up, Matt? You can you decided to come back to the party? <laughs> I got a call from one of my buyers, so I had to take a meeting a fireplace uh, specialist out here. So yeah. One of those. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did have kind of a, another um, question or, or maybe topic that we can dig into. Um, and again, a lot of this is kind of overflow from Good Morning Real Estate this morning. But um, I'm curious... Because I, I know that there's a lot of different people that are looking for like the first 10 to 15 videos that they should shoot or start with. Um, so especially as it relates to the sellers, um, I mean, you mentioned the 100 questions that were coming out of a listing, uh, a listing appointment with and answering those. Do you think it makes sense to niche or niche those down to uh, a geography? Because I got to believe that, you know, if I'm answering every question about Atlanta and what it's like to live here, even just some of the messaging I've tried to contour more towards, um, you know, not just buyers, but sellers and investors as well. So is there anything else in the messaging that you would adjust um, specifically? OMG, Anna, do you want to? <laughs> Sorry, did you already talk about that? It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. I, probably that the entire phone call you were on that we, we talked okay. exactly through Never that. Mind. I'll um, go back and listen but... to the replay. <laughs> No, but I mean, short, short answer is yes, you can either, you know, you got to answer the question for yourself. Are you trying to attract a national or a local audience, right? Because answering seller questions could attract a national audience, but I believe that's harder to do because to be a trusted, established national brand, the channels that I've seen have done that have 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, a hundred thousand subscribers. So you know, but people will look to you absolutely as the Atlanta local uh, um, expert. 
because, you know, you were born and raised, you lived there your whole life. And I believe that's where ultimately the people are really looking for the information. The videos I've done on home buyer tips and, and I've, I've done a few of those, they're my worst performing videos. I have no idea why really. I mean, it's just there, they don't get the views, but everybody loves the information I provide on Dallas. They want to know about Dallas. They want to learn about Dallas and all of the home buying tips and first time home buyer and this and that is, is uh, they're, they're the least performing, or I should say the least viewed videos that I have. So, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, ultimately I think consistency wins on almost anything. So if you're going to go for it, I would, I would hyper local target, you know, and that includes adding in your city or areas in, you know, in your titles or description, or just making it very clear, you know, you're trying to attract sellers in the Atlanta real estate market. And I think that's going to be a lot quicker to gain those clients than it is at a national level. So that's kind of, the, okay. that's kind of the summary. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no. And I figured I knew as soon as I got that call, I was like, I know they're about to talk more about this. So, um, are there any other topic ideas that you feel that you feel like as far as videos go that have been super successful outside of like the normal, you know, three or four that I've heard you mention before? Because I know we've got a lot of new folks in the room, but I, I've heard you say that like the pros and cons of living in this suburb or this city. Are there any others that you would? Yeah, those I think um, top five, you know, top five neighborhoods, top five suburbs, uh, cost of living, um, you know, uh, overview of all the suburbs, possibly uh, overview of all the neighborhoods. Now you have to do that very quickly because if you have, you know, 10 neighborhoods or even 10 suburbs, you got to think about that. If you talk about three minutes on each one, that's that could be a 30 minute video, which is not bad. Here's the great thing about YouTube is people are on YouTube researching. And so uh, I've done videos as, as low as 10 minutes on YouTube, but I've also done them as long as an hour, which that again, that was just experimentation. But the 30, 40 minute and even the hour long videos I have are some of the best performing videos. They get the most watch time, they get the most views. And so it really tells me that people are digging in and they're researching and wanting to learn the information. Now, did I make an hour long video in one setting? No. You have to think of everything you do in two to three minute video segments. And that's really how I make every video. So if I make a 20 minute video, I'm really making about 10 videos that are two to three minutes. So it's really, but it's a continuation, right? It's a continuation. I understand how to transition from one topic to the next while stopping in between. So if I have to stop in between, I could, you know, take a drink of water. I could go to the bathroom. I mean, I could do all kinds of things, but I need to understand how to transition that video so that it becomes a smooth flowing video to be able to be edited as a 20 minute video. That's how I made an hour long video. I didn't make a hour long video. I made a video that was really segmented into several sections, um, you know, and probably took me two or three hours to kind of piece that together. Um, but still, once it came together in editing, you know, it just looks like a, flea, a free flowing hour long video. Now that's, I don't want to scare anybody away and say that that's what you have to do. But most people say, okay, I don't want to do YouTube because I can't make a 15 minute video even, or they're thinking, oh, I can't talk for 15 minutes, or I can't even talk for 20 minutes, or 
But the reality is, is that if you can just talk to two to three minutes on a particular subject or even a neighborhood or a suburb or whatever type of overview you're doing, um, even a pros and cons, let's say if you have five pros and five cons, you know, two minutes on each of those is a 20 minute video. So, and you, and that's how you record it. And so you record, you, you speak for two minutes on one bullet point and you stop and you take a breath, take a drink of water, do jumping jacks, whatever you want to do in between. It doesn't matter. All that will be cut out or edited out. And, but you just have to understand how to pick up where you left off, make that transition and ultimately have an understanding of how the story is going to flow, you know, through the entire video. But otherwise, you know, I, those, those are just the easy ones to start off with. It's really the ones that are kind of the most uh, searched. It's a great way to establish the channel. Also veterans benefits. Uh, I like veterans benefits is also a great one uh, because that's specific to your state. So that's something that is very searchable. And especially if you live near a military base or anything like that, or you have a, a population that goes in and out, that's a very good one to make. So um, those are just some of the basics. Levi, you mentioned all the topics that you mentioned so far, and I just wanted to throw this question in before you move to another question or topic. Um, they sound very buyer-related. Was that intentional for you? Did you intend to build this out too? Because And then, you know, you mentioned that you did like 70 buy sides and, and 10 listings. So did you intentionally look to attract buyers? And is that why the titles are? Well, and yeah, and researching, I mean, that's just, it's, it was, those are just some of the most, they're just the most searched. And so I knew, you know, I know several, I got several friends that will tell you that, you know, search and titles and all that stuff doesn't matter. Right. But that, I think that applies more to when you have an established audience. And so if you, if you go where the eyeballs are already there and, and you, and your videos, you can just put your video in there you're more likely to be found sooner. And so I think that's just where a lot of people are just searching those common things. I don't know if anybody knows uh, Katie Day, but Katie Day in Houston, like whenever I was researching, you know, topics to talk about, one of her video, a pros and cons video of hers in Houston at the time, it had like 50,000 views. It's like 130,000 views now. And so I found her video and it's like at the time, 50,000 views. And that's really what kind of struck a chord with me, which was, Oh, oh, holy cow. This is not really like a, um, you know, first time home buying tips or anything like that. It was, it was like, this is just um, the good and the bad of living in that area. So that's kind of what sparked it. And then that kind of led me down to, um, other areas, but yeah, I mean, if you're think about it, I mean, local sellers in your city probably pretty much know the city because they, they probably live there for quite some time. So, they typically are not going to be on there searching for that content. Um, but also a seller usually knows another real estate agent, right? Maybe the real estate agent they bought their home from, maybe, uh, you know, maybe their neighbor's a real estate agent, their aunt and uncle's a real estate, right? Their brother's a real estate agent. You know, I think there's a lot more competition with sellers. So also for me, establishing uh, my brand, so to speak, which I, you know, had no brand. And I also knew nobody was searching me or going to say, uh, Levi, you know, come list our home. I went where there's no competition as well. So the thing is, is like out of state buyers coming into town, 
they don't have a real estate agent. They don't know a real estate agent. They don't know who to trust, who to look up, who to call. And so all of these videos are catching people actually in the research phase before they've even considered hiring a real estate agent. Number one, I don't think anybody goes to YouTube and says, hey, let's find a really cool real estate agent on YouTube in Dallas, you know, and let's hire them. I think what they are doing is they're saying, oh, we're moving to Dallas. Um, I haven't been there in five years. I only traveled through there once or I've never been there at all. Let's go research Dallas. And that's what they're doing. So I think that's why we're able to turn over this amount of business this quickly, because the thing is, is I'm not the greatest real estate agent. I, I mean, I'm not, but I've lived in Dallas for 20 years and I can talk about Dallas all day long. And ultimately, I think that's what people are looking for and looking to learn. So I'm not worried about I didn't have to have that reputation either, I guess, as the greatest real estate agent. I just needed to provide the knowledge on the areas and the things that they were searching for. And whenever they consume so much content, they're just kind of like, well, shoot, this guy's a real estate agent. So we've already learned so much from him. We might as well call him. And so I just become the agent by default because of the values already there. And, and I've already provided so much value to them. So uh, I think that's, that's, where you it's just the path of least resistance right and i don't have competition because so to speak I, I could say yes they find other channels about dallas and real estate but ultimately uh the thing is is people are going to talk to the people that they resonate the most with or, or who they connect with right like attracts like and that's the other great thing is that my data tells me youtube tells me that my viewers watch every other dallas real estate agent in dallas as well so but the thing is, is just like on real estate TV shows, maybe we watch Fixer Up or we watch Million Dollar Listing, we watch uh, Fixer Flop, whatever. We may watch all the real estate shows, but ultimately, if I asked everybody in this room, who would you choose? Everybody probably has their real estate agent, their TV personality of choice. You know, I would choose Josh Altman. I would choose Ryan Serhan. I would choose um, Chip and Joanna, right? Because ultimately, you consume all that content. However, we relate to somebody's personality the most or would want to work with one of them the most. So that's the only advantage I have is that, and they haven't chosen an agent, but ultimately, and, and that's the cool thing too, is we don't really have a lot of uh, bad clients to work with because they're mostly like us. I mean, same personalities, uh, pretty much same age ranges, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, you, you attract, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, they say. So it's it's made it a lot uh, easier client to deal with as well. And, and on top of that, when they call you, they want to work with you. They've already made that decision to work with you. So also there's no selling on our part. We don't have to convince them um, at all whatsoever. So I but just I could do the same thing on the listing side. And I hear what you're saying, but I also think it just might be your belief, right? That buyers are just the least path of resistance. I guess I see it differently that I, I think sellers are way easier to work with than buyers, but that, that might just be a personal thing. Um, but yeah, I, hey, I would love Anna, can I pipe in for a quick second yeah, to that please. thought? I, I, I think the answer to that question is you're right. And, and Levi's right in both because sellers are easier to work with, but I think there's just significantly more buyers searching for relocations than there would be sellers looking for how to sell a house. Right. I think that's kind of the answer. Right. 
No, it does. I mean, we, we do get Google searched quite a bit and, uh, for sellers. So I'm thinking, you know, I should use this uh, platform as well on the seller side. But I hear you that there would be more buyers who would want that information, especially about learning about the area. But I'm thinking there's so many sellers who want to know what they should know <laughs> before they go ahead and yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, just like Justin said, I mean, I, I think you'll attract the client around the content you create. So if you do want to focus primarily on sellers, uh, like we uh, kind of like what we discussed earlier, I would think of every single thing that somebody would be searching. And of course, if you use uh, software to help you, you'll you'll be able to know what people are searching in there. And so therefore, um, that would be a, a great way. I mean, Justin, uh, Justin, you attract sellers, uh, I believe quite a bit from YouTube. Do you, do you not or? Yeah, there's two things I want to unpack there. One, um, before I get to that, the mindset piece you just shared, I think we need to just repeat that one more time because so many agents and people on YouTube in general will say, oh, it's too late. Somebody's already doing it in my market. But you really just explained, Levi, how important it is to just push through the noise because you mentioned somebody like Katie or, you know, I can look at my market and say, oh, you know, there's three or four people doing it in my market. That should be motivation to you that it works, right? So everybody like write that down, just put your head down and just do your thing because it will make a difference. But for the seller piece, I just left an appointment this morning for a beautiful listing. 100% came off of the YouTube videos that we do. And what it was, was this one area right by my office. I did one flagship sale. I did my typical listing video, which is really, I treat it almost like I'm launching a movie for every single house. The house is the main character. There's typically, you know, characteristics and attributes about the house. There's usually a challenge or a villain, if you want to put it that way. Um, and I try and tell the story. But then what I do is after I sell that house, I kind of shout it from the rooftops that, hey, I just did this sale in this area. I'll always retarget the people that watch that video and I'll drop a little pin around that postal code. And I'll typically run some type of ad from a testimonial from that sale if I can. That leads to me getting in front of the sellers. And what I'll tell those people quite often is, hey, guess what? I just did that sale, which led to four more in your area. And now I have all of the data from all of those videos so I can specifically find you the buyers that will pay you the most money more so than anybody else, right? Like I think once you start realizing that it is a snowball, you'll put more effort into it. I find the sellers I get are very much from the way that I market and sell properties. Like they literally call me off my listing videos because really I've always used it as a showpiece, almost like, I'm getting to interview, right? Like you're going to see how I'm going to sell your house because look how I sold these ones. So I always looked at listing videos that way. Um, market updates also very, very helpful, Anna. If you want to express knowledge about your market, which is what sellers want, I find doing a live stream or market update monthly and then putting that in your newsletters, very effective way to stay top of mind. And I get listing calls all the time for my newsletter. So hopefully those two pieces. Yeah, Anna, you also have to jump in the pool if there's a pool on site. That generally helps. Yeah, it does. How about I'll just in the kitchen, well, I'll do that. That'll be more <laughs> my job. There you go. Well, I think just, yeah, Justin mentioned a couple of things really, really key that I think are, will also help that. It's kind of uh, goes back to whenever I talked about the thing about Brad, like Brad's videos is he definitely, I mean, he turns it into a production, but ultimately he's telling a story about that house. And that's what just Justin just mentioned is uh, on these listing videos is 
if you make that listing video evergreen or where it's a relevant video anytime somebody finds it not just the typical hey we're here at my new listing this is a three bedroom two bath you know five hundred thousand oh that's you know and you just basically just kind of walk through the home which is where you'll see a lot of uh, agents just kind of just you know just do a quick walk through but if you actually turn it into a story um just like justin said turn the story uh, touch on the neighborhood everything around it what maybe even showcase uh, a couple of things around that area or you start outside or you're walking from if it's waterfront you're coming from outside in or you know basically turn that into a story i think that's where you uh, have that opportunity to really turn that into an evergreen video that's always relevant also turns into the, your library to show other sellers as well and then again you, you're going to attract some eyeballs that way as well so there's yeah absolutely i think there's just uh, there's definitely different strategies and, and ways to go about that but um i think that's a great point that justin made but also to to justin's point and another bad idea that I hear agents do when it's a lower price point home that they don't invest the money in marketing. And I don't think that there are luxury listings. I think there's luxury clients. It doesn't matter what the price point is. That's your brand and reputation. If I'm listing a itty bitty little twin in the borough, which goes for like 200,000 in my market versus, you know, a million dollar home. I'm using the same photographer, videographer, the same, uh, we send everything to box Brownie for virtual editing. And it doesn't matter because that's your brand, right? So you don't want a potential client to see crappy pictures just because it's a less Yeah, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. Anna, actually, I remember I was in a clubhouse room with you and you said that, and I actually told it to one of my agents who's reminds me of you quite a bit that, you know, you treat every client like a luxury client and man, the amount of times people tell me, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe you do a video on every single listing. I'm like, it's the cheapest advertising I'll ever get. Like the amount of people that call me because of the videos and the listings, I can't afford not to do them, right? Agents are funny. Like we get paid a lot of money to do what we do. Yeah, we want to spend a hundred bucks on photos, if that, and that's about it. And then let the MLS do the rest, which is fine. Eventually you're going to get put in a factory and you're going to pay 20 bucks an hour to do your job. Because if you're relying on technology to do the work for you, you're obsolete. What Anna just explained is your brand and the way you handle your business is everything, right? And I think consistency, through the work that you do, how you do the big ones and the small ones matters. But more than that, what I shared about the data, that is so important moving up forward because the tech companies don't have the data set I have. Sure, they have way bigger marketing budgets than me and their marketing companies that are in the business of getting the consumer's attentions and selling those consumers back to agents, selling houses. So when I leave a listing appointment and I explain business models to my client, and how I'm in the business of finding the right buyer that will pay them the most money, it gets them attention, especially when I tell them that I own the data. No tech company on this planet has the same data set that I have in those neighborhoods because they haven't done the work and they simply just didn't do the videos that I did and have the consumers clicking on them. So that's, I'll wrap it up. Well, the final thing there, Justin, too, is that we figured out that at least with the Living in Dallas channel with, with Levi, that it's now what sixty eight hundred dollars, Levi seven thousand, whatever the number is now. It just keeps going up. I feel like, but Levi is basically making sixty eight hundred dollars to seven thousand dollars, somewhere in that general range per video now. Um, so, you know, if that if that video is a thousand dollars to create, you just made six thousand dollars or fifty eight hundred, whatever the number is. 
So, but to your point, now you've got the data, which all of them want. And that gives you an opportunity, Anna, back to the original topic, as far as, you know, creating content to find sellers. I mean, over and over and over again, if you go to a playlist now that's got 30 or 40 or 100 different properties that are at that level or every level in your market, why would they not choose you? Because every other agent they could search, no one's going to have that kind of data or content. And Justin, I think you have, um, you should have the community tab on your channel. I mean, I think that's a great way to also showcase when you have sold something on the community tab, you know, maybe a picture of that home. And then also in the description, you could tell the brief story of, you know, possibly that, that journey of that client, how they found you, what happened, and then how, you know, how many days it took to sell that property over asking, you know, all the details that kind of go into it. I think that's a, a great place to, to, um, you know, basically back up what you're doing as well and to show that, that these homes are selling. Um, I think that's a great place to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. I just figured out the super chats feature. So it's, it's a lot, but I definitely think I should add that tab Levi because I do an AAR on every sale. So that's a little strategy that I use when I sell a house. What did I do? Well, what could I improve on and what difference did I make in the sale? And that what difference did I make in the sale is typically what I'll turn into an Instagram post or share on other platforms. There's no reason why I shouldn't be sharing that to Google my business and on the community tab at the same time. A little hack that I've used is I create bookmark folders. So like say I'm uploading a piece of content and I'm gonna put it on seven platforms. I have all of the bookmarks for those seven platforms in the folder. So I can right click the folder and open up all seven and do it all at the same time. So for that Levi, I would basically drop the bookmark for the community link, Google My Business and wherever else I wanna share the success story right click on it, open all three tabs, and I could probably do that in under three minutes. So thank you for that tip on Tuesday. So that's Glenda with. All righty, Brandon, my man, I, uh, who has the greatest profile picture ever, I must say that's a, a amazing profile picture. How you doing, brother? And uh, <laughs> would, would you like, do you have a comment, question, or contribution you would like to throw in here? What's going on, y'all? Uh, what's up, Levi, Matt? My Georgia brother, Justin, what's up? How you doing, Anna? Um, I had a question earlier when I first jumped on stage, but I've lost it. But I do want to know, have you um, have you guys ever dealt with uh, gaining, like, access to certain like businesses or whatever? And how do you get around that? Because uh, my one of my videos I've been working on, I've actually, I've been BSing on for quite some time. I haven't completed it yet, but it's coming along. But um, it's going to be um, something uh, to the effect of um, will your kids love you or hate you for moving to Williamsburg, Virginia? And it's just going to be me going to all the different things there are for kids to do around here because there's a lot. But um, we have two theme parks. Uh, we've got Bush Gardens and then we have a water park as well. Um, and I don't want to sit there and have to buy a ticket to go around the park. but. Uh, if I if it comes down to that, I think I may have to. But my question is, would you even do that? Or do you guys have those problems like accessing maybe certain uh, communities or whatever? I'll throw in my two cents and then throw it over to um, the rest of the group. But I, I mean, there should be there should be some stock footage, you know, that you can either license and that depends if you can 
get free stock footage and all stock footage is 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 footage that's out there of that theme park if especially if they're major attractions or monuments i mean you can pull pictures just we always make sure to provide credit or sourcing you know if we pull pictures from online but that's something that i don't think you i don't think you have to go to every single place that's you could simply make an office video and talk about the different places and then throw up the stock footage if you can find that online now it depends on whether or not you have to pay for that and that can be uh, laid over your video as b-roll or the pictures can be you know laid over as b-roll and and so any aspect like that i mean that's also a tremendous time saver uh, than unless you just want to go out on a saturday and like go visit every every cool spot that's different but that it does make it, I believe, a little bit more difficult to kind of piece the story together if you're jumping around to multiple places throughout the day. But at the same time, it's not, you know, it can be done. But I think for efficiency, it's easier just to do that type of video in your office. Not a bad topic, but I would I would encourage you to just look for the stock footage. Or if you are there, take your own footage. That's always the best, right? If you can use your own footage. And so when you're out at these places, you take a short three to five second clip, you take a picture, you do this or that. So if you want to go spend the day with your kids, maybe you want to go spend the day at the theme park, take several photos or pictures. I mean, those you can use all day long. And then basically as you compile all these good spots for the kids, then you can come back and make a video that doesn't cost you anything to use your own footage. Right? So that's one way to do it. Um, does that make sense? Does that help? For sure, for sure. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I was going to say, Brandon, it might end up costing you more in licensing <laughs> than it would to actually go visit some of these places. But I, I'm with Levi. I think from an efficiency standpoint, and this has been one big kind of unlock for me to, to try to create more content is go shoot 5, 10, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever, in that city, suburb, or at that location like you're talking about doing. Um, and then for the rest of the video, be in the office talking about, you know, that neighborhood or that suburb or that location. Um, cause I'll tell you that the first 60 videos that I got super serious about, um, in my kind of selling Sandy Springs videos was interviewing business owners. And so, you know, it was good for the business owners and it was good for me, you know, just to get some early traction, but I was depending on 60 other people, if not more, uh, just to create those 60 videos. Um, and so from an efficiency standpoint, I'm with Levi, like anything and everything you can do to create more content in a shorter amount of time, but also make it super valuable. I actually love that topic idea because if I'm coming through Virginia and I'm going to stay there for a day or two and I'm looking for something to do with my kids, like I'm not, I might never, ever buy a piece of real estate in Virginia, but I might get, you know, you might get some additional eyeballs on that. Um, and then, you know, the traction that you might get from people sharing that and engaging with that content. So when y'all say the licensing and all that, like, let's just say um, you you do have that. I've seen you do it a couple of times, Levi, but it's been like for properties or whatever. Would you put the information on the photos or the video or would you put that in the description? Like, uh, yeah, it depends. It depends. I mean, if we pull photos, we just add a little um, we add a little tag on the photo so you can actually see that in the video. It's 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 too much i would say to probably put in the description the most of the time you just need to put licensing sometimes in the description for music if you add music but you know like my editor subscribes to a music surface uh, service so 
you know, whatever that is, 10 bucks a month. And, you know, she has access to thousands of songs. And so we just pull from that. Um, but yeah, video, it just depends on where you pull that video from. Then, you know, an editor, um, and now if you're doing your own and you don't know how to do that, then you could just add that in the description. Yes. But the, the credit would have to be somewhere if you're pulling it from online. Now, here's the other thing, you know, the chances of you getting caught with that, I don't know. They're very, very slim. Um, but at the same time, you don't want your, your video to get a thousand views and then somebody comes after you and, um, you know, ask you to take it down. The other thing is, is that most of the time YouTube isn't even really concerned about copyright claims, which is what happens if you don't have music license or something like that, they'll just notify you. And all they do is they demonetize that one video so that you're not forced to take it down or, you know, you don't lose anything necessarily. It's just that let's say that video were to go viral, which, um, you know, I mean, I've never had a video go over a million views, so I'm not worried about it, but if it made 20 or 30 or $50 or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars from ads, they just wouldn't pay that to you. You know, they would actually pay that to the person that owns the music or the video or whatever it is you use. Now there is right to use videos, which means I believe it's somewhere like three to five seconds. Like if you've watched videos and people throw in, uh, movie content, you know, like, uh, you know, you've probably seen it, you've watched a video and people are making a reference and they throw in a movie clip of somebody smacking somebody or a house burning down or, you know, Chevy Chase, uh, you know, riding with a grandma on the roof, you know, those types of things, there is fair right to use, which means you can typically pull little small clips like that anywhere around three to five seconds. That's not necessarily a copyright violation. Again, uh, I'm not a lawyer disclaimer, um, but you know, it's just things that it's not really that big of a deal, but you do want to kind of have a, at least an understanding of what you're doing and how you're using. And if you pull it from anywhere, it's always best to give credit um, where credit is due. That's always going to save you in the end. But otherwise, uh, you know, somebody finding that video and asking you to take it down is also very slim. Gotcha. Gotcha. I appreciate you. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thank you. It's 1130. Uh, we always come to a hard stop. And so otherwise... We will see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you, Matt, for helping out and joining. As always, Brandon, always good to chat with you, my brother. And I see several friends in the audience. So hello to all of you as well. And if you jump on our, our Facebook group, our Real Agent Facebook group, we're hosting a live Q&A tonight on Zoom. So that's where I jump on. We usually have 40, 50, 60 agents on there. Uh, where I just I hang out, we go Q and A. We can do channel reviews. We can talk shop. I show you my back end analytics of my channel, all kinds of stuff. It's really um, just there for you guys. So uh, if you jump into our Facebook group, then you can join that, and that's in my bio. So check it out. And then otherwise, see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.